0: Hey, this is Cody Crump, and you're listening to Project Challenged.
1: This is Project Challenged with your host, Doug Lund, forcing the D into challenge, but only with consent, and Eric G. Hollis, the robber baron of bitface notoriety. Eric and I issue our typical format in deference to our guest tonight, taking a respite from the unforgiving waters of the Los Angeles music scene to talk with us about his new album, Ola, that will hit the digital shelves on March 17th. He's recently made both the Grim Reaper and Krunex his bitch and has been described as the Brian Eno of his generation, bringing a folk sensibility to his work in the electronic pop space. Mr. Cody Crump, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: How does it feel to be compared to Brian Eno? Do you even know who Brian Eno is? I assume you do. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes, that's a compliment that you can't take lightly. I don't even know who the hell said that, but uh, I'll take it. Whoever said it somewhere.
1: It was actually me,
0: and I'll take
1: credit for it.
0: (laughs) If that's actually true, I'll give you one thank you. You're welcome. That was
1: not a compliment, just an observation.
0: Sometimes you'll get comparisons from like random shit, and most of the time it's musicians that you're kind of like, can you give me somebody better? Um, But but I think that... (laughs) Brian Eno is one that I would take gracefully and
1: be very happy about. So thank you. And we'll have some questions about what led me to that conclusion. I'd like to start with Ola, though, since it debuts on Friday. Your last EP, Death, had a very strong theme and tone that effectively wove the different tracks together. Ola takes that a step further and has a very specific story to tell. What is Mm -hmm. that narrative? It's about
0: a relationship and the communication between two people within a relationship, or it could be, you know, symbolic of any kind of relationship, be it between people of different nationalities or something. I feel like most relationships in any form break down because of a lack of communication or trouble communicating. So that's kind of where it started and where I felt inspired and then it came about really naturally and flowed out really easily.
1: The natural follow-up question there is, who hurt you, Cody?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say I was hurt too bad. There was a nice young lady that I still remain very good friends with, and it didn't work out the way I hoped to at the time, but you never know what's going to happen.
2: Cody, I was listening to your released catalog today, Mm -hmm. and I have to ask, both influence-wise and musically, how did you go from kind of your original folk stylings is how I would I would describe it as folk pop to now completely electronica and very mature in both genres. But when I saw a picture of you today, I was like, man, he can't be older than 18 years old. So where did all of this come from?
0: I actually started doing electronic stuff first. That's the first step I really started recording and was really passionate about. After that, I started playing live and doing more singer-songwriter kind of folky stuff just because it was easier to get out and actually play that. As I got older, I developed more of an appreciation for songwriters and folk artists because my mom always listened to bluegrass and folk and I could not stand it, you know, when I was in high school we drive somewhere, and, and I remember um, the day Johnny Cash died, and this was kind of the big bridge that brought it all together, was Johnny Cash died, and she's like, all right, I need to put this on. You need to listen to this. I was like, I don't want to listen to that. I think I wanted to put on Tool or Nine Inch Nails, and I was very upset. And uh, she put it on, and I was like, actually, this is, you know, it's kind of cool. And then I remember hearing Johnny Cash doing Hurt, and that sparked my interest in him and kind of led me into a place where I appreciate more folk stuff. It just kind of took on its own life. I'm working on more folky stuff now. It just kind of depends on whatever I'm inspired by or whatever at the moment.
1: So we know you play guitar and piano. How much are you involved beyond the singing and songwriting in these latest albums with the composition?
0: I mean, I pretty much do everything. Uh Ola, I played everything, then I brought my friend Jason in to track some live drums on it, so was a mixture of live drums and electronic program stuff. But generally speaking, I produce and write and record pretty much everything until the final steps, when I'll take it to get mixed, or if there's somebody else I want to bring in to play on it. I'm okay at guitar, but if I want somebody to do something that I couldn't do, then I would call one of my friends and see if they were interested in doing that.
1: So those are your sick beats and talents on the synthesizer that we hear in Ola.
0: Yeah, everything that's played on there, with the exception of my friend Jason Gamberg on drums. And he's incredibly talented. And every time I've worked with him, I don't have to do too much directing when we're actually in the studio. I might give him like a couple notes, but overall, he'll usually nail it right from the beginning. So that's really nice.
2: So you said your love originally was electronica. You moved to kind of the folk pop are these just two steps on a longer journey for you? Do we get a Cody Crump rap album coming out, or what? Are you going to stay within those two wheelhouses?
0: <laughs> I like to change up every time I do a project. It's whatever is inspiring me at the moment, and I don't want to be very one-dimensional. And obviously, a uh, perfect example of that would be David Bowie is one of my heroes, and, and he was kind of the master of being able to go and just kind of, you know, say fuck it and not be afraid to completely change up what you're doing. I have a few different projects that I'm working on trying to finish up right now, and one is a Japanese and English combination thing that would kind of be the follow-up to Ola in that language sense and overall tonally, but then I have like another album of stuff that's almost ready to be mixed that's kind of similar to Death or where that would be leading that's much more sort of dreamlike and nightmarish and, and dark and atmospheric and stuff like that. But it just sort of depends on what I feel interested in doing at the moment, I guess.
1: And along those lines, in addition to recording, do you have plans to tour in the near future? I would like to, yeah. I think that everybody I work with would really like me to play more (laughs)
0: live shows. But I've been working on putting together a full band setup for all my electronic stuff. We've been rehearsing the past couple months, and I'm I'm actually... trying to book a couple shows right now to test it out and hope that it actually works and isn't really shitty and kind of go from there
2: i heard a cover that you did today of prince as a musician it takes a lot of stones to cover prince now that you've done prince is bowie next can we expect to hear a bowie cover coming
0: I would say yes. I'm really surprised that I haven't done a Bowie cover because he really is one of my heroes. And actually when Bowie died, I broke down and and cried for a couple hours and I didn't expect to to feel that way. The night I heard of it, I was kind of just like shocked and kind of like, oh man. And then the next day I was listening to rock and roll suicide on my way to go to like the bank and just broke down. And it was like, I had to walk into the bank and I was crying. People were just looking at me like, whoa, no, what's wrong with this guy? And I was just like losing it over David Bowie dying. And the flip side, when Prince died, He was, I would say, equally as important to me as an influence, but he kind of meant this different thing. Bowie connected with me more on this very personal, deep emotional level, and Prince was more this incredible talent, but this fearless person and saying, like, go do everything that you're, like, afraid of doing and just say fuck it and go do it. I would like to cover Bowie at some point. I always loved Ashes to Ashes, Um, and, I mean, there's a, a million songs I could pick, but that would be where I'd probably start.
1: I told you earlier that I discovered your music via television, and while researching for this interview, I discovered the rather insidious pattern that I've dubbed the Crump Curse. <laughs> the haunting, ominous beauty of your song Burn was featured on both HBO's Leftovers and I believe Showtime's Penny Dreadful. Both shows were canceled after three seasons. My question for Cody is, do you presume any responsibility? And have you warned the cast and crew of how to get away with murder? No, that's, that's interesting. Well, I
0: thought The Leftovers got the third season, which is it's airing right now, if I'm not mistaken. But right. I feel like the writer said, like I don't want to do anymore after this season, this is it. I'm not taking the. Blame. I have another thing that I think is my curse, and that's if I have a song involved in a film or TV project that's very close to going in and it doesn't end up going in it, like almost every one of those projects has gone on to bomb, which makes me very happy. There is one exception to that, and that was the Lego Batman movie recently did very well. And I had a song that almost wound up in that.
1: So dodging bullets with the exception of Lego Batman, which you might have heard Eric and I are in love with. (laughs) I think it looks like the
0: humor spot on, and I think it looks really, really interesting. I haven't seen it yet, but I'd like to at some point. But yeah, they ended up with, I think, one cover of Man in the Mirror, the Michael Jackson song in that. And I had done a different version that was much more sad and slowed down. I think it ended up in a part of the plot and movie that ended up getting cut out of the film, which sucked. But I still have this really cool cover that I might do something with at some point. So we'll see.
1: Awesome. The exposure on the shows or any of your near misses, how did it affect your career trajectory?
0: I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that placement on Leftovers. It's something I've been working towards for a long time, but it is incredibly competitive and kind of oversaturated with artists and film, TV, music stuff right now. Burn is the one example that's been placed in quite a few shows. It was on a show called Extant and How to Get Away with Murder, Penny Dreadful, Leftovers. And so it gives a really good platform for a lot of people to hear your songs and stuff that I think is really cool and it's really beneficial. And yeah, I've had a bit of a boost from that and hopefully can kind of keep that going.
2: The video for your song French Kiss is you (laughs) making out with a girl. Is your next song called Handjob?
0: No, but the I, I, that that's good. But I proposed with my friends, Connor and Derek that I made the video with. I think, you know, we were talking about, oh, what are we going to do next? Brainstorming. And I was like, we should do, you know, how to lose your virginity video. And I think we decided that would not be the best career move. But you never know. Look at Kim Kardashian. So <laughs> you I and I wrong. are on the
2: same wavelength here. Yeah. <laughs> was that a rough video to shoot? And I know you're going to say, yeah, man, it was awful. You would think it would be great, but it wasn't. But what was that experience like? Was it one and done? That was
0: actually, we had a ton of fun that day. It was a lot of planning that went into it with like any video thing. It's a lot more work than it looks like any sort of film stuff. But that was one I was kind of dreaming up and planning out for quite a while. And no, we had a ton of fun. We we actually shot that in my apartment here. It was like 100 degrees that day, it was so hot, and we all just drank a lot of margaritas and, and had a lot of fun. And the girl that was in it was really cool, good friend, and made it a lot of fun and awesome, so we had a good time.
2: I guess that's what I wanted to hear, so thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was great. It, I don't think it could have gone better, it certainly could have gone worse, but it ended up being a lot of fun to do.
1: Cody, how does it make you feel when people quote or sing your lyrics back to you?
0: I don't know that that's ever really happened yet, (laughs) but I'm sure if it was to me in person, that would make me feel a bit uncomfortable. But also, I think that that's something that would make any artist or whatever feel like somewhat happy inside that you're having an effect on somebody somewhere. And that's that's a cool thing.
1: So clearly Eric and I were lucky enough to catch you early enough in your career that you're not jaded yet. Do you have any plans? Because that would be my end game if I was an artist. How are you going to know when you get to that point?
0: I don't suppose I know. The
1: very minor successes I've had
0: thus far, you take with this grain of salt. It's very exciting. I remember when I got an email about Byrne being in The Leftovers, for example, and you're like, yes, you know, this is exciting. That's a really cool show and it's a cool thing to be a part of, but it's also just kind of very muted and you don't really know what to feel other than like, all right, like next thing and like keep moving forward and keep building on that. But I think it is important to allow yourself at least a little bit of time and congratulate yourself because it's a lot of
2: work.
1: Indeed. I'm going to mix it up now. I'm going to ask you to talk to us about John Travolta. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> JT.
1: He's the original JT.
0: <laughs> the, the
1: original JT.
0: I mean, you know, he's a funny guy. He's extremely talented and had a wonderful career, but he's also this, He's I, I don't know how to put it, he's, he makes me laugh.
2: So are you a big fan of, look who's talking, John Travolta? Or when you say John Travolta's funny, I know him more for his dramatic roles.
0: Yeah, I think him as a human being right now is funny to me. I guess he's comical too, like Face Off. He's funny in that because it's so ridiculous, in the same way that Nicolas Cage would kind of be. I think there's something to actors specifically that if they go in the spotlight for long enough, they almost end up being this kind of weird joke of themselves in a way, and then some actors sort of find their way out of that and establish that respect again. But I feel like Travolta's in this weird little middle ground right now where people aren't quite sure what to make of him. (laughs)
1: Cody, that's an excellent segue into my next question because what you just described is the surreal experience that is Los Angeles, which I actually call my hometown. You've been living and working there for several years now. Has that become your new home? I've been out here about six and a half years. I'm from Colorado originally. I'm from Montrose,
0: Colorado. That is a uh, some place I feel like both of you probably know. Is that? Do you know
1: Montrose? Absolutely. Yes,
0: very wonderful place to grow up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not a a lot going on there.
1: A good place Um, to be from.
0: Yeah, I I really did. I enjoyed myself growing up there, and uh, I'm very happy to be out in L.A. now. L.A. is just, it's a weird, exciting, fun mess of a place, and I love it. So, yeah, this is home.
1: I take that to mean you don't get back to Colorado much then.
0: I don't because my family's kind of all over the place now. I miss Colorado. I really miss the seasons. I miss the mountains and certain things about it. But uh, no, I don't think I I maybe went back for Christmas a couple years ago.
1: Well, I hope you'll remember us when you finally put that tour together. I would love to come.
0: I played in Breckenridge and Denver like a couple years ago, but I'd love to get out there and play again. I mean, I had a ton of fun. I lived in Denver for three years before coming to L.A. and was playing around a lot there. And it's got a really Very, very tight-knit music scene that once you kind of find your way in, it's very supportive and cool and growing, and it's a nice place with a lot of nice people there.
1: Growing's a generous way to describe it. (laughs) 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 We could use all the culture that we could get here. I've got one last question to wrap this up. Can you give us a preview of your Grammy acceptance speech?
0: My Grammy acceptance speech? That's interesting let me put it this way. I suppose you'd want to thank everyone because the real summation of all your goals and dreams and stuff, there's a lot to it. And you know, if I should ever find myself in that position, there's probably more people that I should thank that I could possibly have the time to. I don't know if I would go the humble route in that way, but I might tell an interesting story. Like when I first moved to LA, I worked as a caterer at the Oscars and I got tired of doing whatever. I don't know. The boss was being an asshole. This person is vegan, has gluten. I don't fucking care. And I just got tired of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm at the Oscars and I honestly don't care if I get fired from this job. So I think I went and took a piece of cake and went behind the curtain and just kind of sat there and ate the cake and then went and just walked around because that was the year that Trent Reznor won for best score and Natalie Portman won for best actress. And Reznor's a hero. And Natalie Portman was like my crush growing up. So I so guess it's, what it's my... your
2: fault that Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> didn't get her salad that night.
0: <laughs> uh, she can fuck off. But the po- <laughs> the point is, is that like you never know who's gonna become what, so you might as well not be an asshole, and be nice to everyone. Your busser, your waiter, your whatever, the guy working at the door. You never know. So people, don't be assholes. Be nice. That would be the grand moment. That would be my speech. <laughs> it's kind of boring I need to work on that one
1: I really enjoyed listening to you talk there (laughs) (laughs) ideally someday we'll get to congratulate you uh, when you actually give that speech and I would congratulate you now on the release of Ola again this Friday you can find it on all the major streaming services iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube you can follow Cody Crump on Twitter and Instagram at Cody Crump also find him on SoundCloud slash Cody Crump Check the show notes for a link to his YouTube channel. Please join Mr. Crump in his crusade to make Electronica great again. Thank you so much, Cody.
0: Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun.
2: And I'll say, if you don't like Electronica, go back and listen to Good Luck. Because I'm not the biggest Electronica fan, but man, your folk pop stuff is on point. I enjoyed the shit out of that, and I'm glad you're going to do another album kind of in that vein.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a project that I really love and believe in and will one day find
2: its audience. So thank you. Well, it found it today with me. So thank you. It was wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Here at Project Challenge, we love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at projectchallenge.com. Follow us on Twitter at OGChallenge. And if you're feeling generous, drop us a review on iTunes or Play Store. Huge thanks to all the listeners. And until next time, Stay challenged.